That old black magic has me in its spell That old black magic that you weave so well I see fingers up and down my spine Same old witchcraft when your eyes meet mine Welcome back, Wizards and Muggles, to another edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. I am Dan Rhino. Jessica Rhino. And we are going to delve into Chapter 9 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, titled The Midnight Duel. So where did we leave off in our last chapter? In our last chapter, we met the Potions Master. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a big cliffhanger there we we just learned about him and him not liking Harry and just learned a lot about Harry's first week of school and now we're just diving a little deeper into the school year and I think we've we discovered that Hagrid may know a little bit more than he's letting Letting on on. about a, a couple of things but chapter nine is titled the midnight duel and when we get into this chapter the, the thing that really kind of stood out to me just on the very first page of the chapter is that Harry has already developed such a dislike for Draco even more he says even more so than Dudley yes and Dudley is a, a boy who tormented Harry for all of his life that Most he can remember life, yeah. and he's known Draco for about a week <laughs> and he already hates him more than than Dudley so I think Draco is doing and, a really good job of being the bad guy. Yeah, here. and he doesn't even see him that much. He mm-hmm. says they only have potions together. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when they have meals and in the hallways and stuff. But it's not like Dudley, who he lived with, went to school with. Yeah, that's pretty a, it's a pretty strong statement. And like you said, Gryffindors and Slytherins only have potions class together. But we do get... A note in the Gryffindor common room that flying lessons are set to start on Thursday and Gryffindors and Slytherins are slated to take together yeah take place in flying class together and another thing that kind of stood out for me for the students was the fact that there's really uh, three class three rankings of student excitement about flying we've got some like harry that are super excited about the prospect of flying Mm -hmm. that's something that you know if i had to pick one superpower mine was always flight then i just think that just would be an awesome thing to be able to do you know even more so than any of the other abilities that you could have no what's yours telekinesis i'm lazy yeah (laughs) just bring me that book yeah i'm just gonna float it over here with my mind I don't know, flight just seems awesome to me. Being able to push somebody away if you needed to just, like, you need to go away. I can see that. So we've got some that are really excited about the prospect of flying. We've got others that are, are already have some flight experience, we think, and they've already boasting about their pre-Hogwarts flight experience, uh, particularly Draco, yeah. and we don't know how much of that is true and how much of that is him you know adding some some falsification to it just to kind of 
bump him, you know, bump his uh, status up a little bit. His street cred. Uh, we've got Seamus, who's got uh, claims to have quite a bit of experience with with flying, and Ron even said that he had a that when he took his brother's broom at one point had a little run in with a hang glider. Uh, hang glider. Yeah. So they've got we got very responsible uh, no. youngins on brooms. No, not at all. And then we've got the others who are very trepidatious about the prospect of flight. And one is not surprising in the fact that Neville seems to be unsure. Well, he probably is not too happy about the prospect of flying seeing as though he was his uncle like threw him out a window so <laughs> nearly threw him out. i guess yeah. i guess neville does have a little bit of flight experience <laughs> yeah just not with a broomstick just not with a broomstick so, and that one that little experience he had probably wasn't very pleasant no i wouldn't think so so and he only a, has that to go by and he's a little bit of uh i'm trying to think of a better or you know, a nicer word than klutz but he, he's not a very um Smooth. Smooth. Uh, Coordinated. Yeah, those are all those are all good adjectives to describe Neville. So I could see where he, you know, might not be excited about that. The one that kind of surprised me a little bit was Hermione, in the fact that she seems gung ho for like everything that is happening at Hogwarts. You know, as far as learning spells and and gaining knowledge and and everything that. You know, she seems just primed and ready for anything that the magical world can throw at her. But uh, she's not super confident here. No, and I'm not surprised by this. She's more of the book nerd. She wants to be able to read it and understand it. This isn't something... This is like for the jocks. This is where the, you know, the other great divide, great school divide comes in. Quidditch is a sport. Flying on a broomstick is part of that sport. It's... It's an activity. It's something for the jocks, the athletic people. She's not those things. Well, I mean, I could see the the Quidditch part of it, but flying on a broom is kind of goes hand in hand with being a witch. Yes. And that's, you know, she wants to be a, a, a great witch. Well, someday. in our stereotype of being a witch, in their world, they really don't use it for transportation all that much. They use it for playing sports. There's so many other ways for them to travel. Uh, flying car. Flying car. Chitty, chitty, chitty bang, bang. Like, uh, <laughs> Flu powder. Well, no, uh, Hagrid had a motor, flying motorcycle. Flying motorcycle, yeah. I, I, I uh, stand corrected. It was not a chitty, chitty, bang, bang. <laughs> flying car. But I, I don't know. I guess just kind of... I guess I understand it in the fact that, you know, if she can't explain it via it, a analyze book it. right then then it's probably a, a little more foreign to her and a little it makes her more uncomfortable memorizing facts isn't going to help her she actually has to do it well she does try to uh, turn her her quest for knowledge into something that's going to help her with broom flying because she goes to the library and gets uh, quidditch through the ages yes and fantastic little read. It is a fantastic little read. And the thing that always stands out to me about Quidditch Through the Ages is years ago when when Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was like super hot. Like when, uh, and it's kind of gotten watered down like and syndicated, you know, over the years. But like when it was like 
like must see like primetime TV and Regis was hosting it uh, the million dollar question one time was who was the author of Quidditch Through the Ages that's a tricky question uh, and I think it was like in the in the Harry Potter world, world. fictional writer right okay and, like, well, um, uh... and I actually know this you know this. I know this. I don't know this. I know that. I believe it's Kenilworthy Wisp. I don't know. I believe it is. Because I could look. It's on my bookshelf. Why don't you go look? And while, while you're going to look, I'll I'll uh, I'll talk I'll talk a little bit because Kenilworthy Wisp. Kenilworthy Wisp. It's been confirmed. It's been confirmed. And I and I remember that just because of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. That's the only reason I remember that. Uh, this uh, kind of takes place where. Uh, Harry, or Hermione is going through the different tips and tricks that she's learned in the book and kind of trying to pass it on to some of the boys <laughs> at, anyone uh, who will listen. at the breakfast table. And uh, the mail comes again, and nothing again <gasps> for Harry, but Neville gets something pretty cool in the mail, and he gets a Remembrall. Yes. And what is a Remembrall? It is a glass ball. It fits in the size of it, in the palm of his hand, so it's not too big. Um, but it's not like a marble or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the book, they described it as like a smoky white, filled with like a white smoke. And it turns red if you've forgotten something. Does it tell you what you nope. forgot? Nope. Nope. <laughs> so just it's... says, just a little red beacon to tell you you forgot something. So it's sort of helpful in a way. But this is Neville. I'm going to wager that he has it's always, always forgotten something. It's always red. So it's not, or, and probably more than one thing. Mm-hmm. So you could, you probably, might as well just, you might as well just dip it in red paint. Yeah. Just because give it's all, it's always going to be red. Give just an give an him an apple. Because you always Same forgot thing. something. But uh, this, uh, remember all gets the interest of Draco, who comes over and grabs it off the table. And that, of course, makes the Gryffindors... Upset because the bully is. Ooh, I like that part where Ron and Hermione just, or Ron and Harry immediately mm-hmm. popped up and they were just like ready to go. You see that a lot in this chapter in the fact that it's only been a week, but Harry is already so fed up with Draco's bullying that he's already kind of standing up and you know flexing what little muscles he <laughs> His he has. little yeah. bird arms. Um, he's got friends now. Yeah, I mean he's that guy's got to give you some confidence. He's got friends that he wants to stand yeah. up for. Sure. And he was that little guy that got picked on all the time. Not that he's not still a little guy, but you know, he was the one who got picked on all the time. And now he's got friends to back him. He's got friends to stand up for. So you think the the fact that he's in this new setting and he's got a new environment around him and he's got you know some people that actually seem to genuinely care about him maybe has boosted his confidence mm-hmm. quite a bit yeah and even and then divided him even more i know that malfoy is a total pain in the butt but like you said it's still a very strong statement to make and it's almost hard to believe that in one week malfoy has <laughs> he's been such become a, worse such a jerk <laughs> in one week. but i think it's more the situation that you know Harry sees him picking on other people. You've got the different houses, so it's an us versus them mentality. And even though Harry might not be real close with all of the Gryffindors yet, that it's their new family. And even the ones that he's not close with yet, he still feels like 
this is my my family, this is my group, I gotta stick up for everybody. And, and vice versa, the, the rest of them too, I think they, you know, just being sorted into a house together makes them more bonded. So let's move forward to the actual flying class. Uh, the class is led by the best teacher name so far in the book, <laughs> in my opinion. That being one, Madam Hooch. Madam Hooch. And uh, the first thing we find out about the uh, school brooms is that they are probably a little like our Muggle PE equipment, and the fact that it's been they've been used so much over the years that they are not in the best condition. No, no. Kind of no. like the scooters that have like the one wheel the that doesn't wheel move. Jiggles. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't want the yellow one. That one, <laughs> that one doesn't go backwards or something like that. That only goes to the left. You know, those uh, those jump ropes have sharp. Uh, edges like uh carved into them oh, after hitting the elementary jump ropes i'm scared you know that's that's a trigger for me are those the ones with the beads the on beads them? and the yeah. kid hit me in the face with it yeah those are the worst oh. <laughs> so um and i think the older weasley boys have even kind of uh told ron and kind of smartened them up a little bit to the fact that you go too high with these brooms, they start to shake. <laughs> Some of them kind of, they probably need to go to the uh, auto repair shop and get an alignment done because they kind of turn to the left. left. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not, these aren't like Nimbus 3000s or <laughs> anything like that. These are these are not top of the line stuff that you get when you're learning to fly. Just like yeah, when you're learning. You're going to wreck it. Yeah, you know, when you're learning to drive, you don't, you know, take your driving test in a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. You take it in a tan minivan. Normal people don't. You take it anyway. in a tan minivan like I did. <laughs> uh, I a red Tempo, I believe. Oh, nice. Yeah. American uh, American Ford product. Shout out to Ford. They're a sponsor of the show, I believe. Oh. Yeah, we just picked them up this week. I didn't know. No, I, it's I, big. I haven't read my through all my emails yet. There's so uh, many. It's in there. It's a big six-figure deal. It's, I mean, it's not a big deal, but uh, so shout out to uh, Ford and their wonderful uh, mid '80s tempo. Does that mean vehicles. we get more butter beer? Yeah, I think so. Yes, I think so. But uh, Harry and Ron get a kick out of Madame Hooch correcting Malfoy's mounting technique. I thought that was kind of <laughs> he's cool. been doing it wrong like all his life. And he, you know, of course, That's he's the, the one who was like, you know, bragging the most about, mm-hmm. you know, having all this flying experience and things like that. And apparently, he's been riding his broom wrong all these years. Well, you know, as a teacher. You kind of know which kids need to be knocked out a mm-hmm. peg or two. And it, that's I what, like to think. <laughs> I actually wrote that in my notes. I said, it, <laughs> I said it's nice when a bully gets knocked down a peg. Those yes. are the exact words that I put <laughs> in my notes. It is nice, mm-hmm. isn't it? Like, I mean, it, that kind of gave gave me a you she know. Adds a little a balance feeling. back to the world. It does. It really does. And unfortunately, with bullies, they don't get knocked down enough, you know, until they grow up to be horrible human beings. <laughs> and uh, a dredge on, on uh, society. But now it's time to fly, and Madam Hooch gives the direction. I love saying that name, by the way. Madam Hooch gives directions. Kick off hard, rise a few feet, and come back down by leaning forward slightly. So we're, we're really kind of... Just no messing around, man. We're just going right into yeah, it. Yeah, I mean... Get but your butts in the air. But, you know, just a few feet, and then come back down, and we're starting slow. And Neville is unsure from the beginning about this whole experiment. He doesn't 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 feel confident, doesn't want to do it. And before Madam Hooch can even count down three, two, one, 
He kicks off hard, and next thing you know, Neville is 20 feet in the air. And not knowing how to get back down, not knowing what to do, he falls off and goes... Well, sometimes when you're, I know when you're skiing or or ice skating, sometimes the only way to stop is to just fall down. Those are two things I've never done, so... We really do need to get you ice skating. Oh, it sounds wonderful that you just fall off. Yeah, or you run into the wall, like I was telling you the other day. Yeah, you just re- let, run into the wall and let it You're really it stop selling you. it. You're really selling it. Yeah, hey. That the only way I'm going to be able to when, stop is by falling or running into a wall. Sounds wonderful. When you're skiing, Sign me up. When you're skiing, it's better to just fall down into the snow than to hit the tree or the mm-hmm. fence. Sign me up. Sign me up. I think, uh, you know, Neville, his first experience on a broom, not so hot. He ends up breaking his wrist and uh, taken to the hospital wing. So now these students are left unattended with these brooms and Madam Hooch... <laughs> She instructs needs a teacher's assistant. The students not to touch the brooms until she returns. Why don't we just like cancel class until like later in the day or something like that? And no, well, it seems like and it seems it seems like a really bad idea to leave magical students unsupervised. First with, years. With, this is their second week of school with magical equipment, <laughs> wonky magical equipment. I just, I just don't think it's, it's the best choice because, you know, when you tell a student not to press the red button, what do they really, really want to do? Oh, I'm going to press that red button. Oh, yeah. So, of course, Draco doesn't listen. He happens to find Neville's Remembrall on the grass, I guess, when he fell. He dropped it. It rolled out of his pocket or something. And like you said before, Harry stands up mm-hmm. to Draco and demands that he give the Remembrall to him. Is, that belongs to one of the Gryffindors, therefore one of the Gryffindors should have it, not the Slytherins. And so, of course, when you tell Draco not to do something, he's mm. going to do it. And he hops on his broom, and, you know, Harry at first is kind of, you know, taken back because he realizes, hey, Draco is pretty good on that thing. Yeah. And Draco, you know, flies up to the highest close tree he can find, and he's going to... Leave it up in the stash tree. Stash it up there. You so know, poor like, Neville has to go up there to get it. Like when a bully, you know, would take your shoes and throw, tie them together and throw them up on a <laughs> telephone line or something like that. What? Is that how shoes get up there? Um, I, I think sometimes people just do it, like, to old shoes for fun, but I've heard stories of bullies, you know, stealing mm. shoes. And, well, I would punch those bullies in the nose. You know, I was bullied a lot. That never happened to me. I was bullied a lot other ways. But mm-hmm. never had my shoes taken off and thrown up there to where nobody could possibly get them. But I have heard of that happening. Hmm. So, all you bullies out there, you're horrible people. And Awful. Yeah, we don't want you listening to the show. You need to be knocked down a couple pegs. Yeah. Got way off topic. So, instinctively, Harry hops on a broom. Yep. And he didn't even get to get on the broom a second ago because Neville started the whole thing off and, you know, fell 20 feet to the ground before anybody could hop on their brooms. And just kind of without even thinking about it, it was kind of cool. Harry hops on the broom and first time ever on the broom, he's in pursuit of Draco and he's a total natural, isn't he? Yep. 
He's just, wow, I don't, I can do this. I don't even need to practice, don't need to be taught. I just can do this. Yeah, he was thinking it's, it's almost like the most, you know, instinctive, you know, without even thinking thing that I've ever done in my life. I'm, I just seem to know what to do. And it might be one of those things that you just have to not overthink it, mm-hmm. which would be Hermione's problem, mm-hmm. is overthinking, overanalyzing. You just kind of have to do it and and feel your way through it. And there, I think there was a moment there, even before they got on their brooms, where Madam Hooch told them to hold out your right hand and say, up, up and-, and the broom would come up in your hand. And, you know, Harry was one of the few people that it came straight up without any issue or anything like that. And Harry kind of attributed it to the fact, well, maybe it's, you know, because I was confident. Maybe the broom can kind of sense, you know, that I'm that I'm confident. But Yeah, I liked his analogy. Like, he was noticing that Neville's wouldn't mm-hmm. come up and was, like, rolling around and, like, didn't want to come to him. Yeah, Hermione's did the same thing. Maybe it was like a horse that could sense. Mm-hmm you're being anxious or sure. nervous or confidence yep like all right this guy we can we can we can fly this guy's cool or sure. no he does sure. not want to go up this is gonna be bad sure and, i mean and even you know like dogs can sense that too you know when you're uh scared or <laughs> unsure and you you know like we would have uh, you know you brought our dogs to visit my classroom a few times Mm -hmm. and we told the ones you know if you're scared to pet them don't pet them because (laughs) you're going to make them nervous then you know it's i don't want you saying okay i'm gonna psych myself up and i'm gonna do it i'm gonna pet this dog no and you come creeping up with your hands shaking that just freaks them out and you pull it back and you you know or you're like like really hard staring at them sure because you're trying to see if they're gonna do something Uh That hard eye contact freaks them out. But if you come up, you know, if you're confident and you're relaxed and, you know, they respond to that. They mm-hmm. respond very well to that. And even, you know, our puppy does that too. You know, the people, <laughs> when my mom came over for the first oh, time God. and was acting like as my mom, a.k.a. Uh, Mrs. Weasley, <laughs> Just it does. over exuberant. Yeah. And, oh, it was a mess. Raffin was afraid of her. Just like a living comic book character, yes. basically. But, you know, Harry's just outmaneuvering Draco at every turn. And, you know, Draco, for the first time, is kind of in a vulnerable position here. Because he does, and Harry even mentions the fact that you don't have your buddies up here with you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just you and me. And looks like I'm better than you at this. <laughs> you know, you're good, but... My first time on, you know, I'm already, I he, you know, kind of goes at Draco like a javelin, they said, and Draco barely moves out of the way, and Draco's really worried and kind of just wants to get this interaction over with. Yeah. So he throws the Remembrall, heads back to, to land, but Harry knows that he, you know, his, the whole point of him doing this was to get this property back for Neville. And he can't let it hit the ground and, right. you know, it's smash. Like from his grandma. Absolutely. So uh, Harry makes a 50-foot dive and catches the ball just inches from the ground. Unfortunately, it's not Madam Hooch that shows up to see the end of Unfortunately? this. Unfortunately? Well, hmm. maybe, maybe it turns out to be fortunately. But it's unfortunate in the fact that 
somebody caught him. Yeah. And uh, who was it that showed up to catch her? Professor McGonagall. I love her. Yeah, McGonagall sees this. She's, of course, the Gryffindor uh, head of the house. And she is seemingly very upset. Seemingly. Seemingly. I say seemingly because we'll find out in a couple minutes that she might not have been... It might have been a little bit more of a show that she yeah, put on. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a, sh- a show I've... She was shocked, mm-hmm. but she, I think, was still trying to keep her facade her, her, up. Yeah, her she, air of uh, meaningness. <laughs> she has a reputation to protect. So without any words, you know, she says, you know, some of the, the standard corrections to Harry. Harry Potter, how dare you? You could have broken your neck. You know, what were you thinking? Were you I've thinking? never... Come with me. I don't have any. I don't have any words for it. And they they go on this long walk, not saying anything. And Harry's just like his mind's just things running through his mind. Like I'm gonna get expelled. He's sure, he's gone. He needs to start packing. <laughs> what are the Dursleys gonna say? Maybe oh. uh, uh, Hagrid got kicked out. Maybe like I can like <laughs> go be like his assistant or something. But <laughs> he says he's gonna carry Hagrid's bag. Can you only imagine how big Hagrid's bag is yeah. and how little and scrawny Harry is? And then all, I'm going to watch all my all my friends that I just made friends with. They're going to turn into wizards, and I'm going to be carrying Hagrid's bags. So these are all these are all things just you know a, a week's worth of worries running through his mind, and what probably is no more than like a five minute walk, if that. Eh, Hogwarts is pretty big. It is pretty maybe big, a ten minute but walk. I, they had to go back across the field, back into the castle. And McGonagall's moving the too. Like oh yeah, she like mess Harry around. has to like run to like keep up with her because she's just like power walking. Mm-hmm. She's like one of those mall walker ladies you see that is just like, you know, you're walking to Spencer's gift or something. They just, they've already lapped you three times. Yeah. So she, you know she's uh, she's a woman on a mission, and she stops into a class to grab one of the students. Oliver Wood. Yes. Well, and she just says wood, and Harry thinks he's going to get beat. With a piece of wood. <laughs> with a piece of wood. <laughs> it's just like when he, when they said, oh, the sorting hat. Oh, I'm going to have to pull a rabbit out of that hat. <laughs> of course. Poor Harry. He just doesn't He just doesn't know. He doesn't know anything. Uh, and the so now it's the three of them. It's Oliver Wood and Professor McGonagall and Harry Potter and... The three continue walking, and Harry still has no idea what's going on, and Oliver Wood now has no idea what's going on. So, who is Oliver Wood? Who does he end up being? He is the captain of the Gryffindor Quidditch team. He's a fifth year. Oh, interesting. They find a nice little empty classroom to go in and have a little discussion. And it turns out that McGonagall is not upset at all. She's excited. actually recruiting Mr. Harry Potter to the Gryffindor Quidditch team as their new seeker. Yes. And what is the job? They didn't really mention what a seeker does, but what yeah, is... Yeah, we haven't gotten into any of that yet. But it, Oliver looks at Harry's frame and his body and seems that that he would be, if he is, Ideal. A, if he is what everything that McGonagall says he was... Uh, he would be ideal to be a seeker. So it seems like, you know, a seeker is not a big, powerful position no. <laughs> on the court. If Harry's body type He's is good sleek for it, and fast, and right. 
So you can kind of put, even without knowing what a seeker is, you can kind of put two and two together based on, you know, if Oliver Oliver is saying that, oh, this this guy's got the perfect, you know, body type for a seeker, then it's probably more about speed and maneuverability and agility and things like that rather than, you know, brute force. And he mentions getting him a good broom, so there's another hint that we need a speedy, new, you know, broom, something fast for him, so there's another mention of speed. And McGonagall calls him a natural on a broom. Even mm-hmm. asked him, that was your first time ever, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah. And the thing that kind of stood out to me at the end of that conversation was McGonagall says that your father would have been proud. He was a great Quidditch player, too. Mm-hmm. So Harry, you know, that's something that he is probably just found out for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, you know, didn't know anything that's, about ki- that's probably kind of like a, a earth moving revelation that he learned there. You know, Some that, way to connect with a absolutely. father he didn't know. Absolutely. And th- and this is kind of, this is a really uh, poignant situation we're in here because first years aren't allowed to... They're not allowed to have a broom at school, their own personal broom. They are allowed on the team, but they generally are not. I'm pretty sure. I, I thought they said that they would have to talk. She was she said they would have to talk to Dumbledore about bending the rules. I think that was to get him his own broom. Oh, to get him his own broom. Okay. Yeah. But they're just, I think it's just so like normally thing. like they They're not don't... allowed to have their own broom, so how can they play Quidditch? Okay. I don't think that the not playing Quidditch is a okay. rule, but they're just generally like, you know, kind of like freshmen. Yeah, not freshmen don't normally play varsity, yeah. but so every once in a while you run into a freshman that's just too good. That you can't keep off the varsity. Yeah, that they're just dying to get their claws in that one. Gotcha, gotcha. So now we fast forward to dinner time, and Harry is. uh, They're trying to kind of keep Harry and the Quidditch thing under wraps. Uh, You know, Oliver is going to start. Harry's going to start training with the the team. I think next week he said, or or later that week. And Harry, of course, has to tell Ron Ron, because that's his, his best friend. And of course, uh, Oliver told uh, Fred and George because they're on the team. And they are beaters Beaters, on the team. And uh, Fred and George are a couple of big boys. So, you know. They're wiry. Yeah. But they're they're like, they're, you know, tall, like, you know, uh, big bodied fellas. So I think, you know, when, when you think of like a beater, that thing seems more like your power forward on the on the basketball team, whereas uh, Harry's probably more of like the point guard yes, type. Yes, definitely would be the point guard. Yeah, kind of like, you know, facilitator of the One point guard to offense. another, yeah, he would definitely. All right, huh? So you and Harry are making a little connection there, yeah. too. Very cool. Uh, we've got the, like I said, the twins are excited about it, uh, but they're still kind of trying to keep everything under wraps. And so Malfoy knows nothing about this. He just assumes that Harry is destined to be uh, sent back on the train to the Muggles. Yeah, he thinks Harry's in trouble. Yeah, so he, you know, well, he'd be surprised. And that's gotta that's gotta kind of feel cool for Harry to know that you know Draco thinks one thing, and you know he knows something that Draco doesn't know. Yeah, but it's also got to wait. It's also got to yeah. You also got to it's got to tear at him a little bit that he could, can't just come out Just with throw it. throw it right out. Because that would be, how good would that feel to, to put that and, you know, onto that news onto Draco, who, you know, has already lamented the fact that 
he can't be on he can't have a broom because he's a first year and then here's his nemesis harry potter who will probably not only be getting a broom but could be you know on the starting uh team quidditch team for mm-hmm. his house which is probably would definitely stick in and like in their Draco's secret crawl. player their secret weapon yeah they're excited about it absolutely absolutely so Draco, um, you know, uh, is excited about the fa- of Harry's inevitable punishment, and he ends up challenging Harry to a wizard's duel at midnight in the trophy room because yeah. he, the bully, is kind of tired of um, the bully. Bullies are not happy when the person they're trying to bully does not accept the bullying. <laughs> and well, and he got sta- showed up, stands up to and him, flying. You know, mm-hmm. well, not in class. But in, class. in front of everybody, in front yeah. of everybody, he kind of got shown up. So he's got to get his upper hand back. Mm-hmm. So now we'll keep two feet on the ground, and in his own way, with mm-hmm. Crab and Goyle by his side in the room where I choose. Mm-hmm. He's on really controlling with everything. Wands. And so they, we get a uh, a midnight duel set up in the trophy room, and Hermione overhears this, and she's not happy. No. What? No. Why is she? Why is she so unhappy, Jessica? Because they're going to break the rules <laughs> and get points taken away for Gryffindor. And she's completely right. It is very selfish of them, and they're going to get everyone into trouble. And the whole house is going to lose points if they get caught. And she, she, but she finds a way to make wrap herself right up in the middle of it. Oh, she always does, doesn't she? <laughs> So, you know, Harry and Ron kind of tell her, just buzz off, mind your own business. And Harry and Ron sneak out about a quarter past 11. Uh-huh. And uh, they head into the Gryffindor common room, I guess, to take that uh, the passageway through there to this the trophy. This is a popular maneuver here, the sitting in the dark in the common room <laughs> and <laughs> popping up when people try to sneak out. Uh-huh. And, and Hermione's waiting for them. Yeah. Lecturing them, following them, and lecturing them the whole way on the way to the trophy room. Doesn't like physically try to stop them or, or anything like that. Just basically follows them and tells them why what they're doing is wrong. Yes. The repeatedly. Whole, the whole way while she's doing the exact same thing. Yes. <laughs> Which I just, I think is awesome. That's just Hermione, you know, in a nutshell right there. And, uh,. I'm going to need your help in explaining this next part because they pick up a fourth <laughs> member along the way, and it's Mr. Neville Longbottom. Yes. Now, how in the world did they end up picking up Neville Longbottom on the he, way to the trophy room? He Oh, they, they just kind of stumbled across him, literally. He was asleep in the hallway. <laughs> of course, as as uh, it is normal to do at well, Hogwarts. In classic Neville fashion, he forgot the password to get back into the Gryffindor comic. After he came back from getting his wrist fixed up. That's what it said, but then he also said that she fixed it in a minute, so where he was that whole time, I don't know. Yeah, maybe she, maybe he had to... He had to stay for a while yeah. till it... I don't know. But, sure. yeah, so he came back to... You know, he was sent to back to the common room to go to bed that night, <laughs> and he couldn't remember the password to get in. <laughs> And Hermione, of course, ex- tells him the password, very simply, because she knows everything, yep. And but then tells him it'll do him no good because 
the fat lady's not there. Yeah, she went off. To she have went a off to visit mid- midnight rendezvous. Apparently, somewhere scandalous. Yeah, maybe the the fat lady's got uh, a gentleman caller somewhere. I don't know. I don't know how that. I don't know how the the world, the, world works. Yeah, I don't know how the dating world works in the world of uh, people that live in portraits. I don't know either. I don't know if there's like a uh, like online system for that or anything. I don't think so. They don't really do modern technology in the wizard world. I gotcha. World. So now we are, uh, our duo has turned into the Fantastic Four. Yeah. As uh, Harry and Ron and Hermione and Neville are all apparently heading to the trophy room together. Because, of course, Neville doesn't want to be left there by himself. Especially mm-hmm. with the, uh, the Slytherin ghost apparently had been by a Twice. couple of times. yeah. Which is not uh, can't be the most comfortable way to to fall asleep. Not not that sleeping in the hallway was ever comfortable. As <laughs> yeah, it I was is. thinking like in a but, castle. But when you got a, a ghost covered in blood, that's just kind of hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he's that friendly. Uh, where you got uh, like I said, we got Neville picked him up. Uh, we get to the trophy room, and we think we're set up for this big, you know, knockdown, drag out, midnight duel. With but two it's... students that don't know anything. I was kind of confused. I forgot about this part of the story. Mm-hmm. And there is a duel later in the series. And I was like, what? No, this doesn't happen yet. I don't understand. I just, you know, the scene is not in the movies. And I just kind of forgot about it. Until we got there and I was like, oh, okay, I remember now. But yeah, I was really confused. Well, you said a couple of students who don't know anything, and I think it was even Ron that said, you know, uh, I'm going to be your second, and a second is somebody who takes over for you in the duel if you die. die. But you guys won't even be able to kill each other. You'll probably just be able to, like, shoot sparks, sparks at each other. other. So it's, it just kind of made, made me think of, like, a couple of people, like, slap fighting, you know? <laughs> As <laughs> Jessica swing, swings her arms... Uh, flails her arms, which is great for podcasts. Fantastic. I'm sure they heard the wind Mm -hmm. blowing past because I was really flailing. Um, And then later he says, um, if he tries to curse you, you should try and dodge it because I don't remember how to block. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you are no help at all. And he said, if you you pick up your wand and nothing happens, just drop the wand and punch him in the nose. nose, Which, you know. I'm in favor of. Yeah, I'm, I'm all all for that, too. Sometimes the bully just needs to get punched in the nose. Except Malfoy specifically said, wands only. Nothing physical. No, yeah, no physical. So, but. the only that part that, yeah, that would annoy me, because then he'd be like, oh, you cheated and broke the rules. You used to be great, you know. Yeah, I was like, eh, well, you got a broken nose, so <laughs> <laughs> go figure. You know, have, have fun saying your... Uh, Saying your uh, spells when you you can't breathe out of your nose. So, you ever try to talk like when you're holding your nose? It's not it's not easy. Mm-mm. You probably end up you know you'd be trying to uh, you know turn your match into a needle. a needle or something like that. You might end up turning it into something else just because you can't talk right. So, uh, but when we get to the trophy room, we're not greeted by Malfoy and his goons. Uh, we're greeted by Filch and his cat, Mrs. Norris. Yes. Who are always seemingly on the prowl for to catch some students doing what they're not supposed to. Always. And Harry kind of gets 
Or I think maybe it was Hermione, Hermione. That, that got the the idea that, dude, you've been set up. Yeah, he was never going to show up. He wasn't going to show He's up. He's just trying to get you into trouble some more he, so you get, for real, get thrown out of school. Mm-hmm. If the the incident with the broomstick didn't seal the deal, because it was, obviously didn't, he was sitting there at, at dinner, mm-hmm. this was another way. We're going to get another strike. Let's just see how many strikes we can get against Harry Potter before we get mm-hmm. thrown out. So let, let's lure you out of bed in the middle of the night and then let's tip off Filch that there's going to be some students in the trophy room around this time and uh, Filch and Mrs. Norris are snooping around looking to catch some students out of bounds and so we got uh, Harry and Ron and Hermione and Neville trying to hide from Filch and his cat but of course Ron and clumsy Neville get their feet tangled up and uh, they knock over a whole suit of armor. That, that can't be good. <laughs> no. And uh, they b- basically just have to run for their lives because hiding is no longer an option. Nope. Due to uh, Ron and Neville as I go to my second page of <laughs> second notes Second page here. of notes. Uh, how many notes did you have for this chapter? One. Now, when you say one, what... Oh, you want how many words? <laughs> um, so you I had don't... like one sentence? Not even a full sentence. It was just about... What? Wonderful. (laughs) I just made a note to myself about... It's called show prep, Jessica. I I know the story. You're the Ravenclaw here. You you should have... No, I've read it so much I know it all. Oh, okay. Because Ravenclaws know it all. Yeah, we we get it. Know Uh it all. Uh Um, I just made a note to myself about... Neville being up 20 feet and only breaking a wrist because we talked several times about mm. hardy, they're how hardy, hardy, they're hardy stock yeah, of, wizards of wizards are. Yeah, what, uh, Neville was found out he was magical when he got thrown out a, a window and, and bounced. So. <laughs> On accident. Yeah. I mean, he was threatening to throw him out, but he wasn't really going to throw him out. That's, really? just, that's not a good Maybe. uncle. Maybe. That's a bad uncle. It's the uh, story Grant tells. But on the way... Uh, on the way of running for their lives, they eventually do. They end up going like in a. They they kind of just running. They're and just they end, running, and they end they up in like a slip hidden behind a tapestry. There's lots of hidden passages yeah. and, and corridors in. And Hogwarts. the Weasley brothers kind of allude to that earlier yeah. in the chapter too. Things happen when you don't even know what's going Stuff on. Stuff happens. <laughs> the staircases move. We already established yeah. that, so you know. Yeah, to slip behind a tapestry and end up on the opposite side of the school is really no big deal. So if you, I mean, if you're not paying attention where you're going, if you're just like walking and talking, I mean, you can end up, you know, a, a mile away from where you want to be. Yep. <laughs> it's kind of like the guy that uh, I showed you in the video of the guy that's like just walking and texting on his phone, and then that <laughs> that escape that bear that escaped from the zoo comes around yeah. the corner. You got to watch where you're going. You yeah, got to pay attention. You never know when you turn a corner, there's going to be a bear. But uh, we end up in a far away corridor, long way. They don't know really where they're at, but they know they're a long way away from. Uh, he says by Charms class. Okay, by Charms so, class, which they said is at least a couple miles yeah, away from. <laughs> miles from the trophy room, so they're good. Gryffindor. Uh, they think they're in the clear. But they're also miles away from Gryffindor common yeah. room, which so we're far enough away from Filch and Mrs. Norris, but we're also we got a long way to go if we're going to make it back. You know, and be home free. Yeah. And of course, they run into more trouble in the form of Peeves, the troublemaking poltergeist. Your new favorite character. And, uh, you know, Peeves is, of course, you know, giving the students a hard time because they're not 
doing what they're supposed to be doing. Tiss, tiss, tiss. And maybe I should tell them where you're at. I need to tell somebody. <laughs> That's the responsible thing to do. That's what I really should do right Everyone now. Everyone knows I always do what I'm supposed to do. And some of the people in the group are more pleading for peeves not to do that. But Ron actually gets angry. Yes. And uh, takes a swing at Takes him. a swing at Peeves, and Peeves gets upset and uh, calls out their location. Like a wailing siren. At which, up the whole school, but there are students out of bed. Mm-hmm. And which sends Filch and Mrs. Norris uh, in their direction. And their only method of escape, the only place they could go, is they see a door. Yeah, but they go running down that corridor mm-hmm. as best they can, and they dead end. That in and at a, a door, door, and it's locked. And it's locked. So, how and do they get in, Jessica? I thought that was actually interesting. I don't know why. I guess in the movies, she uses her own wand, but it, she uses Harry's wand. Right, right. She gets annoyed. <sighs> Move! Get out of the way! And grabs Harry's wand. Do you think she didn't bring her wand with her? I guess not. I mean, because it would, you know, it they're in their bathrooms. for her to pull hers out. <laughs> They're in their bathrobes. Um, I mean, if I was a wizard, I wouldn't go anywhere without my wand. Oh, no. You know, I'd you know, yeah. take it everywhere, everywhere with me. But maybe if, you know... She, she didn't think she needed it. She was just sitting in the like, common well, room. well, I'm not doing anybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, not even that. She was just going to stand in the common room and, and tell them not to go. Mm-hmm. And maybe she thought that was going to suffice. Just saying, don't do it. And they go, oh, okay, we're going back to bed. She, she thought she didn't need her wand. I kind of was surprised when you said about where where she grabbed Harry's wand that it worked so well for her because I kind of was under the impression that you know these wands were not that they were totally beholden to the owner but you know there was some you know potentially catastrophic things that could happen but I guess she was doing such a simple spell a simple spell and so it's like the wands have their own personality because they choose the wizard they have things that they're better at some are more you know adept to doing charms some are for transfiguration some are for this some are for that so they have like some are for making natural pies. skills i never read about a pie making wand yeah that, that yeah. would be what my wand could do <laughs> it's like can you do any tricks no man but i can make like pumpkin pie like really good <laughs> But, you know, knowing what we know about the series and how close Hermione and Harry get and the friendship, I don't think that it, that his wand would have a problem. You think the wand kind of sensed that they might have needed, uh, we got to get this spell done, like mm-hmm. we're kind of in a bad situation yeah. here? And it was a simple one, like you said. It's very simple, but... Nobody else knew how to do it. No, but it's only because Hermione <laughs> studied. Was it Alohomora? Yeah, Alohomora. Alohomora. So they uh, end up getting into this locked room. So, of course, when uh, Filch and Mrs. Norris show up, they assume that they must have gone a different way. Yep. Couldn't possibly be down here. They couldn't here. be here. There's only a locked room there. Mm-hmm. So we're safe, we, it yeah, seems. Yeah, it's great. But there couldn't be anything bad behind a locked door. Yeah, in this that we corridor that we never to go into. that we've never been in before. 
And of course, Neville is always scared, so Harry just thinks that Neville's just being re his regular Neville self because he's been tugging on Harry's bathrobe ever since they got into the room. But uh, Harry kind of snaps at him and turns around, and uh, they find something very interesting inside that room. I do. Want to describe that for the listeners? Um, it was a great description in the book. He said it was a dog, and then he said a great big dog, a dog that filled the room from floor to ceiling. So you're like, oh, it's a dog. Oh, it's a big dog. And then it just keeps getting worse. It has three heads with three mouths with fangs and drooling and snarling, growling at them. It just kept getting worse. Yeah. Was... So, you know, Harry decides that, well, I guess I'd rather deal with Filch <laughs> instead of dying. Because yeah. we stay here, and the only reason this dog has not eaten us yet is because we kind of caught it Off by guard, surprise. Might have been napping. Sure. It is the middle of the night. So uh, they get the heck out of there. And luckily, uh, you know, Filch uh, had decided uh, to move the search elsewhere. Yeah. Because, as we, we mentioned. If he thought earlier, he took a wrong turn, he's trying to catch up with them, he would have had to hurry. Head another another way, and that despite the, you know all of the shenanigans that have taken place on in this uh, you know midnight trip to the trophy room and then midnight escape from the trophy room and then encounter with uh, a large three-headed dog, all four of the students make it back to the Gryffindor common room relatively unscathed. But there was a little note at the end that. They know that Harry kind of when they go when they're inside the room. Harry realizes that this must be we have may have inadvertently made our way into that forbidden corridor on the third floor. Ron's complaining. Why on earth would they have that monster in the mm -hmm. school with children? Kind of makes sense. He's got a point. But they were in the, the corridor they weren't supposed to be in, mm -hmm. and they were behind a locked door. And mm -hmm. that's exactly what. Dumbledore told them on the first day that they were not yeah, supposed to go. Die a painful and death. Don't go there. Through happenstance, they kind of ended up there. But you know, like you said, Ron asked the question: Why would in a school full of children, why would you have an animal like that? But Hermione, of course, being the know-it-all, you know, the know-it-all and the <laughs> uh, the very observant one, noticed that the three-headed dog was actually standing on a trap door and didn't appear to be cooped up in that room uh, or trapped in that room, it was more so there because it was guarding what was ever under that trap, trap door. Mm -hmm. And then Harry starts to kind of put two and two together and he remembers what Hagrid said about the security at Gringotts and how Gringotts was, if you wanted to keep something safe, it was the most secure place on the planet and how the, maybe the only place more secure would be Hogwarts. Hogwarts. And the very last thought that we get in the chapter, could this be potentially where that mysterious package that was in Gringotts Vault 713 now resides under the trapdoor in the Forbidden, forbidden Corridor yeah. in Hogwarts behind the locked door guarded by the three-headed dog. So a lot of things... Uh, a lot of things going on, just you know, and it's not just like a, an escape from getting in trouble chapter. There's a, um, this seems like at the end of the chapter, there's always like a little anecdote or something that uh, 
propels the story, the mm-hmm. under, underlying story, forward a little bit. Yeah, I gotta gotta make sure we they lay it out. So, what were your big uh, takeaways from the chapter here? Big takeaways were the big differences from the movies. Mm-hmm. I think obviously that um, in the movies, you know, Neville's not with them when they go when they're running from at night they, they sneak out and they're running around and they get into the room with the three-headed dog neville's not with them um and the whole duel scene you know i was like oh i thought it was the duel from later on it wasn't the rest was pretty close i mean the, the flying lesson was really close to the scene in the movie Professor McGonagall stomping in and mm-hmm. taking him off, and that was all perfect. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the the big thing is something that you mentioned earlier, and the fact that the the dynamic between Draco and Harry is progressing so quickly, mm-hmm. and the fact that these two, in a very short amount of time, have become mortal enemies. Yes. <laughs> And the fact that Harry is already uh, kind of gaining a a ton of confidence and for the first time in his life really standing up for himself. And I think that that's the big thing that kind of stood out in uh, in the chapter to me. And then also the fact that you're starting to see the meshing of these three main Gryffindors. Whether it's (laughs) <laughs> whether they want it to happen or not because yeah. it seems like you know Ron and Harry have become fast friends but Hermione is always there she's always going to be there pops yeah. up and she pops up yeah and th- and I think that's that that's kind of a you know going to be a theme for the story and that no matter what happens these three are always going to be connected mm-hmm. um but I like that the other ones are there too mm-hmm. like in the movies it's just so the main three mhm and but here, you know, we get different characters, and um, you know, we, we get to see Seamus, and then there's Dean Thomas, and we get to see Neville, of course, a lot too. And then we even I forget which one of the twins it was, but one of the twins popped up, and she was standing up for Neville too. Mm-hmm. And you know, we get I like that part of it, I like the book where we can get to know more of the characters. Yep, I agree. I I think it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's easier to do that in a book rather than when you're trying to set up a shot, uh, you know, on for via the the video medium, you know, when you're trying to you know get everybody like if they're not going to talk or they're not going to say anything, why would we even have them in the scene? Mm-hmm. So just to have another kid running down the hallway or something like that, but you know, in in book form. You know, you can work in, you know, little one-liners for people and, and things like that. And you have to. It's a school. There are kids everywhere. Yeah. It's a whole classroom. It's not just the three of them. Mm-hmm. So to make it feel real, you have to include some of the other students. Yeah, it, it kind of gives you the... work if you're, like, tunnel-visioned sure. on the main three all the time. Sure. It, it gives the... It, you can... When I pictured the scene in my head of all the brooms lined up on the, the ground for the flying class I got a a sense of a big class of, of students there not just 
Draco and his cronies and, you know, the, you know, the, the three musketeers, you know, it was in a, a big group of, uh, of students and it kind of gave, and you know, said 20, about 20 brooms. Yeah. Laid a, big, out. a big feel to the, to the scene that I think, uh, you know, is something that is needed. Like you said, if this is an actual school and if the school is as massive as they say it is, you wouldn't just have a handful of students in there. But I, I mean, you get you get that in the movies. You get that feeling when you see them, like in the Great Hall. You see all yeah, the students together the students. in the Great Hall. But a lot of that, you know, ninety percent of those uh, students are just you know eating in the background. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and there is a lot of talk about how the school is so huge and it's so massive, but um, just judging from the size of the classes that we get to know through the books, people ask. Uh, J.K. Rowling all the time. Why, why is the class size so small? And she she attributed it to the time period that those you know like we have the baby boomers, people weren't having babies mm-hmm. right away in that dark time with the Dark Lord and everything. So that's why Harry's class is so small. Plus, Plus? The, the as an educator, the best way to learn is when you have a smaller teacher to student ratio and Hogwarts is uh seems to be on the cutting edge of of education so of course they would be they would be the school that would have uh the smaller teacher to student ratio because that's how you get uh that's how you get results (laughs) Jessica you know people keep asking me what we what can we do to move these year that is so what can we do to make these scores better I was like maybe not have 30 kids in a classroom Mm -hmm. You know, maybe not have, like, so many kids that they're stacked on top of each other. Then you wouldn't have so many behavioral problems. Then they might actually learn something. Mm-hmm. Go figure. Oh, so, yeah. Anything else uh, you want to add before we wrap it up? No, no. I'm flashing back to having to cover that second grade room all, all day the other day. Mm-hmm. Where it was just, like, one fire after the other. Mm-hmm. And, Almost and literally. And when, you get to, when that uh, gets to that point... You know, you're kind of just playing defense. Yeah. You're not. Uh, you're not really learning anything, unfortunately. So it's a good thing Hogwarts doesn't have that situation, and it's a good <laughs> thing they don't have a situation where they have uh, teachers uh, calling in sick without substitutes either. Yes, that's that's well. No, I found out the next day when she showed up. She, I got a donut from her for covering her class, but it was um, she had to go to district training because she had missed one of the cultural competency things and she had to go and she had a sub for the day the sub just bailed (laughs) and um and she's like i thought that if that happened for a district training thing then they would just cancel it and reschedule it oh no that was well that was supposed to be the rule last year when they did that like training where one teacher from every grade level missed one day and it said if you didn't have a sub then you weren't supposed to go to the training you would have to make Mm -hmm. it up later yeah, that didn't yeah. happen. And no. I got stuck in the horrible room. Well, you got a donut out of it, though. I did so get a donut. That's pretty cool. And then I got another donut later, because Gerald was giving out donuts. Yeah, you have an embarrassment of donuts here. It's an embarrassment of riches. And I will admit I had a third one <laughs> later that day. Well, you deserve it. I You're had a right. rough Thursday, though, so my Friday needed three donuts. You deserve it. It was a three-donut day. Yes. Uh, you deserve it, though. You're a, uh, a world-famous podcast host. Woo! And uh, we thank everybody for helping that happen because uh, it's because of you downloading, subscribing, and listening uh, to this little uh, pet project of Jessica and mine and that we're really enjoying bringing to you. And uh, we will continue to bring 
to you as we will join you for chapter 10 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone next time. What is chapter 10? Halloween! Halloween time. So uh, I'm sure we'll have lots of wonderful Halloween music playing in the background for that episode. Uh, if you have any suggestions for uh, the podcast, music or otherwise, uh, send them to broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. But until then, keep listening, keep subscribing, keep spreading the word, and um, we'll see you next time on Broomsticks and Butterbeer. So this is Dan. Jessica. Thanks for listening. Bye. Magic that you